Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. I want to say thank you to all of you that are here today. Brother Bradley and Sister Jenny, it's good to have you today. Thank you. Pleasant surprise. We're glad you're here. Welcome home. To all of our guests, I will not call your names because many of you, I'm seeing you for the first time, but we welcome you to the house of the Lord. Brother Christian, welcome home from Indiana Bible College. Thank you. It's spring break. It's spring break. Sister Peyton, you've been home for spring break. Now you're going back to Urshan College, but it's been good to see you and be with you and be in the house of the Lord. And I know Brooks was glad to have you holding him a lot this week. Remain standing. 2 Chronicles 14. So Abijah slept with his fathers and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. In his days, the land was quiet ten years. And Asa did that which was right. Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves and commanded Judah to seek the Lord of their fathers and to do the law and the commandments. This portion of scripture has captured my attention afresh this week not been able to shake what I feel the current of the Spirit is for our church and corporately in the body of Christ. I want to preach with the help of the Lord from this subject. The demise of Asa. The demise of Asa. If you're going to help me today, would you just lift your voice and pray with me in your own way. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I come to this sacred desk asking for your help. For I cannot deliver, I cannot do what you have commissioned me to do today without a touch, without a touch from the, from the throne today. God, may your people receive with gladness the word. May we leave in just a little while. Truly have said, and it being said, we have been in the presence of the Lord. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. You're going to help me today. You may be seated. It looks good in the house today. Thank you for being here. Asa, probably not a figure in Scripture that if someone were to ask you, well, who was Asa? Not many of you could tell me anything, if little, if anything, about Asa. 
But when you do the study and you walk through the pages of Scripture, you will find that Asa was a godly king who began his reign with the right concepts. He started out right. Asa was a man of great conviction because he had seen what happened to his father and even his mother. His convictions were so strong that he dethroned his own mother because of an idol that she built in the groves and destroyed the idol and burned it by the brook Kidron. Asa's beginning, somebody say beginning, was godly, was glorious. He didn't follow his natural father, Abijam, but he followed his spiritual father, David. And when you look at Asa's beginning, he began with the theme of salvation and dedication to the one true and living God. For in chapter 14 of 2 Chronicles chapter 3, he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves. Asa began his reign with worship of God. And God alone, his allegiance was to hero Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. He took away the idols. He took away the heathen altars. The groves where the false prophets worship and sacrifice. He totally eradicated that in the beginning of his reign. There's one thing, Brother Jake Jones, that stood out to me as I began to study the in-depth relationship with he and God through Scripture. He did not rely on his own wisdom. He did not rely on his own understanding. He did not rely on God through his own ability but he relied on God. How many know that that is the only way to live for him? Because in our own abilities, we are of all men most miserable. In our own abilities, we are nothing but failure. That's the way Asa started his journey. He began with the theme of separation. He took away all of the cities of Judah. He took away out of all the city of Judah, the high places, the images. And the kingdom was quiet before him. He built fenced cities in Judah. For the land had rest and he had no war in those years. Because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said unto Judah, let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers. Gates and bars, verse number 7. While the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought Him, and He hath given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Kind of sounds like us today. When Asa built his cities, he made walls around them. He built barriers to keep the enemy out and he separated his people from the world and Asa realized that the blessing of God came from separation from the world he didn't try to establish rapport with the enemies he did not try to mix in and adopt the practices of their worship he separated completely from the world 
And I stand before you and emphatically declare there is still power in separation. There is still an undeniable strength and power from God in separation. And so as Asa's journey continued, I'm going somewhere, I promise you. He began with the theme of spiritual warfare. In verse number 8, And Asa had an army of men that bear targets and spears. Out of Judah, 300,000. And out of Benjamin, that bear shields and drew bows, 204 score thousand. And all these were mighty men of valor. And there came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian with an host of a thousand thousand and three hundred chariots and came unto Marasha. Then Asa, then Asa went out against him and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephtana at Marasha. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art God. Let no man or let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord, somebody say the Lord. The Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa, and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. I don't know if that resonated with anyone that just heard that. But I see a man, I see Asa, had a fire on the inside of him that said, we cannot go and we cannot defeat our enemies. When we look at our enemies, we don't even know how we can be victorious. But we know that with God, all Things are possible. You see, Asa said, as long as God is with me, as long as God is on my side, I'll march into any battle. I'll face anything, any adversary, as long as God is on my side. Our eyes are upon you. Oh, Asa. The battle cry was the same as Jehoshaphat. A few chapters later, when he said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And Asa was successful because he had these basic principles in his life. But I wish I could tell you that's how the story would end. I have set us up to understand a little bit of how Asa began, but unfortunately, just like Solomon, the life of Asa doesn't end on a victorious note. If he had continued on the way that he started, he would have been one of the greatest kings that Israel had ever known. What are you trying to say, Pastor? If God, and if we could understand the God that we serve, and Asa understood the God that he served, he would have put some safeguards in his life that would have prevented him from doing what he did next. Because Asa witnessed the power of God. Asa witnessed the miraculous hand of God in his life. But I believe as I read the story of Asa, Asa and the demise of Asa, 
could begin with this. If you're taking notes, this would be a good place to start. Asa became comfortable. Asa became comfortable. But the Bible says in chapter 15 and verse 19, For there was no more war unto the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. And in the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go out or come in into Asa, king of Judah. One thing the scripture reveals to us, and I want to convey this with every pure, the purest of heart that I have, and relay this from the heart of God unto us today. Israel never backslid when they were in battle. It was only when things were going well. It was only when, they were at, when things were going well and they were at ease in Zion that they backslid. And I've just come to this desk today to tell you uh, if you're fighting right now, if you're fighting hell right now, maybe your kids are doing uh, things that you wish they were not doing. Uh, maybe your marriage is on the rocks or maybe your job is in chaos. Uh, you ought to just get a worship in your spirit today uh, and you ought to stand to your feet and say, you know what? Uh, I thank God for the battle I'm in today because in my greatest trials, uh, it's what keeps my focus on him if you're in a battle you ought to have the loudest shout in this room if you're in a fight you ought to have a praise in this room today that lets the devil know I refuse to get comfortable I refuse to get comfortable Hear me in the Holy Ghost. Your greatest trial that you're in right now is what's keeping your focus on Him. Someone once said there's two things that'll make us pray. Discipline or disaster. And unfortunately, it's usually disaster that causes us to pray. It's normally disaster that gets us here on prayer meeting night. It's normally disaster that gets us here on midweek Bible study. It's normally disaster that causes us to jar our attention and say, I can't do this by myself anymore. I can't do this within my own power. I've got to have help from heaven. Asa got comfortable. The demise of Asa would only progress. Asa became carnal. If the devil can get you comfortable, it'll breed carnality in you. Then Asa brought out silver and gold of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Benadad, king of Syria, that dwelt in Damascus, saying, There is a league between me and thee, as there was between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent Silver and gold. Now go break the league with Basha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. You must understand the importance of when a king or armies made a league between one another. It was 
it was almost irrevocable. It was, a, it was honor and it was respect. You stay on your side of the lane, I'll stay on my side. This is an agreement our fathers had. But you see, Asa encountered a potential enemy. And instead of separating from them and relying on God to protect him, he buys his enemy off with silver and gold from the house of God. Hear me, Sanctuary Community Church. The world will always try to make a league with you. There is a spirit, a strong spirit running rampant. I will just be enough apostolic to feel the goosebumps and feel the spirit. And as long as I get close enough to the world to blend in, everything will be all right. But there are things that our forefathers fought for. There are things that our forefathers died for. There are things that those that have gone on before us have fought for. And we cannot arrive on the scene with the spirit of Asa upon us. That will say let's make a league with the world and just see how close we can get and still live for God. Let's get as close as we can and blend. Hear me sanctuary. This thinking process. Thinking we maybe can buy our way or earn our way to be like him. Or maybe the fight will not be as, maybe the fight won't be as hard. We're in 2023 now and. Maybe there's a better way. But oh, hear your pastor today. I rise with a clarion call in my spirit. It is still not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. There's not enough money. There's not enough silver. There's not enough gold to manufacture the favor of God in the presence of our enemies. The devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. There's no silver and gold that will substitute fasting and praying. Don't ever think you graduate to the point that you don't have to pray. Don't think you graduate to the point where you don't have to fast. Asa's demise was he tried to solve his problems through his own ability and through his own wealth. God forbid. We can't even walk without him holding our hand. We can't even, we can't even get up in the morning and take a breath without him holding our hand. We cannot, because it's in him we live. It's in, in Him we have our. It's in Him we have our being. We can't do this on our own. But Asa, Asa got to the point that the wealth was flowing, and uh, you know I, I can do this better on my own. And oh, if He ever gets you comfortable, He'll get you carnal. Oh. Then He'll get you cold. Verse number 7, and at the time of Hanai, the seer came to Asa king of Judah and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God. Therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thy hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen yet 
Because thou didst rely on the Lord. He delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore from henceforth shalt thou have wars. Asa's next step or the next demise was that he lost his spirituality. He lost the sensitivity to God. And God sent a prophet to try to get him back on course. He sent a seer. He sent a prophet. Just as Nathan came to David one day to tell him the story of a man who had many sheep. But took the only one his neighbor had. And God sent Hanai to try and get through to Asa. And when, when you're carnal, correction from the man of God is usually not welcome. We don't like it. What are you doing messing in my business? Just leave me alone. We rebel it. We rebel against it. We think he's meddling or sticking his nose where it doesn't belong. And whereas David received correction, Asa reacted in a different way. He didn't receive the correction from the man of God. And when Haney came and pointed out his sin, he went from cold to callous. You see, it's a progression. He became callous. In verse 10 it says, Then Asa was wroth with the seer. He got mad at the prophet and put him in prison. For he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed, he oppressed some of the people at the same time. He didn't like what the man of God said. So he put him in prison. Be careful you don't put the voice of your pastor in prison. The voice that is trying to save you and help you and love you. Satan would love you to get bitter at him. I'm telling you, God gave these words to me last night for somebody. For the, for the hour that we're at. Some of you are saying right now, oh, you don't understand, Pastor. I can handle this. I don't need you telling me to do that or don't do that. And the list could go on. But here's what happens. When you put the voice of your pastor or you put the voice of reason or the voice of the prophet in prison, you start taking it out on everybody around you. You start putting your wife in prison. You start putting your husband in prison. You start putting your kids in prison. You start taking it out and oppressing those around you. But if you would only listen. If you'd only turn your ear to hear what thus says the Lord. Things have a way of turning around. And God sends people in your life to be a seer. And God sends people in your life to be a voice. But, but when it's contrary, when you're already cold. When you're already carnal, when you're already comfortable, callousness is just the byproduct and the progression of the demise of Asa, and it becomes the demise of those of us in this room where we started out good. We started out with the best of intentions. We started out with talents in our life, Brother Tillman. But something happened. Something took place that got us distracted. And last but not least, 
the sad fate of Asa can be wrapped up in this fact. He became crippled. The Bible says in 16 and 12, and Asa in the 39th year of his reign was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Don't stop reading there. Yet in his disease, he sought not to the Lord but to the physician. One verse later, and Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. From thirty-nine years to forty-one years, two years. There was a two-year tenure that he battled with a disease in his feet. I begin to think this is exactly where the enemy would love to take us as individuals. He would love to put a disease in our feet that starts with just getting comfortable. We just get a little comfortable with what God's doing and we get a little comfortable with His blessings and we get a little comfortable with His favor and then comfortability will breed carnality. And carnality will breed will breed a coldness. And a coldness you'll become callous. And the only thing left to do is to become crippled. And that may not mean a lot to some of you. But when I begin to look at a king who was crippled on his feet. In other words, he lost his mobility. He lost his ability to move and, and reign with authority and reign in power. All he could do every morning when he woke up was look at two feet. And if he got around, he had to be carried around. If he made his way through the palace, he had to be escorted or carried. If they had a wheelchair or if they had crutches, we don't see that picture. But I do know that the Word says that he sought after physicians and not God and the goal of every enemy of every one of our souls is to cause us to trust and our faith be in other sources and not that of God and God alone I'm I'm I'm, I'm pro-physicians and I'm pro-doctors and we have one in our sanctuary I'm pro-nurses and I'm pro-medicine don't get me wrong I'm pleased I'm not saying that what I am saying is from a spiritual side. He tried and grasped for it in his flesh. Instead of turning to the same God who defeated armies before him. To the same God who withstood the enemies that were. They were in the minority. And the armies was in the, minor, in, in the majority. But when he called on the Lord. I don't believe for one moment that if Asa would have turned his life toward God. That God wouldn't have reached down his hand. And would have healed those crippled feet. But because he did not ask of him. He suffered for two long years. And he died. When we are weak and humble, we rely on God totally. But when things start going well, we realize, maybe I can do this. 
Maybe I can accomplish this. Maybe this is, maybe I'm just, I'm just good. But that's the trap and the trick of the enemy. As long as we're weak and humble. As long as we're on our face before God praying. As long as we're seeking His heart. There's something about the favor of God. It just tracks you down. And it finds you. And it makes a way out of no way. It keeps you and brings you before great men. It sets you before great opportunities. And you always keep in your spirit that spirit that I am weak, but he is strong. I am humble because of what he's bestowed upon me. Not in my own abilities, not in my own talents. Because I'm just one heartbeat away. I'm just one heartbeat away from everything being taken. From everything changing. That's why our reliance must be on him. The demise of Asa was that he continued to try and figure out his own problems. I felt in this service today that some of you, you're coming to the conclusion, I can't fix them. I can't change them. I can't do anything. Can I get a witness in the house? I've tried to argue. I've tried to fuss. Some of you may have even cussed or wanted to. You're at your wit's end. What do I do, oh God? What what else can I do? I've come with a word for you today. It's in the battle. It's in the heat of the battle that God always shows up. It's in the heat of the moments that you thought God was the farthest thing from you. But it's in those moments when you're broken, when the tears are falling, when it seems like, God, where are you in this chaos? Where are you in what you're doing? I can't make sense of it. I can't understand it. I can't comprehend your ways. I can't comprehend what you're trying to do. And some of you have even said this week, I don't know how much more I can take. And that's where God says, I have you. Where you will seek my face. And where my glory will be revealed in you. Because when things are going good and when things are happening. And when sometimes it's easy to forget. It's easy to take for, oh Lord, I forgot to pray this morning. Oh, God, I forgot to plead the blood over my house. Oh, I forgot to... We we, we get so busy when things are going good, but when things are going bad or when things are a little difficult or hours get cut, jobs are spares. It's... I didn't do this. I didn't... Didn't didn't get what I thought I was going to get. I didn't... and, And your mind is playing games with you, and it's very easy to question, God, what are you doing? But it's in a service like this that you awaken to the potential of the very moment. The potential to the very moment that if I can just return to a place, if I can just return to a consecration in God, if I can just return to that place, that moment where I know what I need to be doing, I know what I've been taught. I know what's in my heart. I know, I know if I'll just turn my life around. I know I can't do it on my own. And God says, I know you can't do it on your own. 
I don't want you to do it on your own. I didn't create you to do it on your own. But I created you so my spirit could come and live in you. I created you so that you don't have to fight these battles by yourself. We're fighting battles by ourselves when God's saying, I'm ready to be a partner with you. I'm ready to join with you. You don't have to make a league with the devil. You don't have to let go of things and you don't have to, you know, barter your... No, 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 no. He's looking at you today. He's looking inside of these four walls and he's wanting to know, are you ready? Are you ready to reconnect to my presence? Are you ready to connect with me? Are you ready to seek my face? Are you ready to... Admit, I cannot do this alone. You see, when you're, when you're comfortable, when you're cold, when you're calloused, when you're carnal, the crippling of the mind, the crippling of the spirit is something more of us battle with than we choose to admit. And the enemy plays these games like this. Well, you've been this way for so long and you've done this for so long. There's really no need. You really think God will forgive you? You really think that God can restore you? Do you really think that God's got a ministry of you for your life? Do you really think that God's going to hear your prayer when you pray? Some of you, you wrestle even today with the, with the failures of days gone by. You wrestle with the failures of things you did years ago. And those things have crippled you in your feet. Where it's hard for you to even come to church. It's hard for you to even come into a place like this. Because you're under the, the weight of what has happened. But hear your pastor this morning. I've come... With a clarion call and a word. That it's in the process of acknowledgement. It's in the process of confession. That God sends his mighty hand and power. Into the very circumstances you thought could not change. In the very things you thought could not be healed. In the very things you thought, there's just no way. There's just no way it can turn around. There's just no way it can happen. I stand before you with my hands before the Lord today. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. I don't care what the enemy's speaking to you right now. I don't care what, it, what lies he's putting into your heart. Saying you can't change, you can't be delivered, you'll always be an addict, you'll always have these desires. No, you won't. It's the moment you've been waiting for. It's the divine moment of God for your life. And it all is on the other side of acknowledgement and confession. He says, confess your sin. Confess, break the chain of permanency over your life with a spoken word that acknowledges, God, I can't do this on my own. 
God, I can't, this is too much for me to carry. This is a burden that I wasn't designed to carry. And as musicians are coming, I'm almost done, but the Holy Ghost is just beginning. Crippled. <coughs> I'm crippled. I know. I saw you when I saw you when you came in today. I don't have any strength. I, I know. I felt your spirit last night as I prayed. I'm calloused. I know. Cold. Nothing moves. I'm just numb. I'm just numb. Nothing moves me anymore. I've seen so much. I've heard so much. I've tried to believe. Would you just believe one more time? I've been hurt. Would you believe one more time? Just one more time of belief could totally change the outcome of your life. Just one more time could change the direction of your future. I've tried it on my own. I've tried it within my own power. I've tried it in my own ability. And what's that got you? Where's that taking you? I've tried this route. But you sit crippled today, and I know. But I'm glad today you come to a safe place. I'm glad you come to a healing and a restoration service. And I've come with the clarion call and a voice to say, if you will, he will. If you will. What do you mean, pastor? If you'll draw nigh to him, he said, I'll draw nigh to you. I'm not going to leave you halfway in the journey. I'm not going to leave you in transition, but I'm going to greet you in the journey and embrace you like I did in the parable of the prodigal. And I will take you home with me together. Together. The journey from the road to the home was not by the prodigal self. It wasn't by himself. But he went with him all the way back to the house. Past the naysayers, past the jealousy, past all of those that didn't think he was in, you know, worthy enough to just walk right back into the church. Walk back into his, to his favorite chair at the table. Walk right back in as though, not, as though nothing happened. But the distance from acknowledgement and confession to restoration not that far it's not that far because you're not doing it by yourself you got somebody walking hand by hand arm in arm come on come on let's go to this altar I'm going to love you through this process I'm going to be with you once you've confessed it unto the Lord once you've acknowledged I've sinned and come short of the glory. You don't have to explain yourself to nobody else. That's between you and God. God says, if only Asa would have acknowledged me, 
I would have healed him. The ending of his life would have been better than the beginning of his life. But because of the absence of acknowledgement and confession, the demise, the demise of Asa is one that's troubling when you read it. His story ended. He fades off the, he fades off the scene. He takes the sleep of death. But the last things that were, that were written about him in his disease, he sought not the Lord. How would you like that to be on your epitaph? In his addiction, he did not seek the Lord. In the calamity, he did not seek the Lord. In the marital strife or in the marital issues, they did not seek the Lord. In their frustrations, they did not seek the Lord. Oh, how the story would have been different. I just wonder if we stand right now all over this house. Some of